Athaliah didn't kill everybody. She had a lot of blood on her hands, but this guy, this young man was saved. And now, you, can you imagine seeing their eyes wide open and going, oh my goodness. And he has to take an oath from them. Do you see that this heir is the throne? He's the heir to the throne, guys. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. For six years, everyone believed there were no more surviving heirs of David's royal line, and there was no legitimate ruler to displace the wicked Athaliah. The secret had to be secure because the king's son would be immediately killed if his existence were revealed. The captains and bodyguards and escorts must have been shocked by the sight of this six-year-old heir to the throne. One reason Ethaliah was able to reign for six years was that no one knew any other alternative. Many people live under the reign of Satan because they don't really know there is a legitimate king ready to take reign in their lives. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Jesus, on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, and, and, and Jesus says, This is not the way I'm going to save the world through this means. Thank you for the rabbit trail, but my, my life, my ministry is through the cross, not through some promise that you make to me. And he had to go to the cross. It was essential. It had been prophesied. Only the blood of God can forgive the sin of, of, of mine and, and your sin, right? Only a perfect sacrifice. That's why Jesus died once on the cross, not several times. He died once. There was no need for any more animal sacrifices. His sacrifice was sufficient the first time and only time because he was Almighty God in come in human flesh. But Athaliah, she took that bait from Satan. He offered her a kingdom. He says, well, if you want that kingdom, Athaliah, you've got to kill his sons. You've got to kill his sons. And she says, I'm on it. And so she goes after it. And Satan sets her up. And God allows it for a season. Already serving Satan. She'd already been serving Satan at his feet. She was wholly given over to idolatry, continuing in Baalism, serving Baal, this uh, Canaanite deity, just like her idolatrous parents, Ahab and Jezebel. Satan offered Athaliah the kingdom of Judah, and she killed and usurped for that authority and held a tight grip on it for six years. I'm not going to let it go. And had not God intervened, she would have continued to reign until some man, someone who had the courage to stand up to this evil woman, 
and take her out of the picture. And God allowed it for a season. But her doom was sure, just like her mother's Jezebel was. And it's true that Satan will do anything to thwart the everlasting kingdom of God. That God had promised to David and his descendants. Remember the prophetic word spoken to Jacob, to his son, Judah? As Jacob lay dying and as his last um, ministry to all of his sons, he said to his son Judah, specifically in Genesis 49 verse 10, what did he tell him? He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The right to rule shall not depart from Judah. That wasn't said of the tribe of Ephraim. It wasn't said of Issachar or, or any of the other tribes. It was specifically to Judah because God had a plan all the way back in the book of Genesis that through the line of Judah, Judah would be the one, through David and then through Jesus Christ, it was very clear. And all along that path, Satan has been trying to wipe out the seed of Judah. Once he got load of this verse, actually when he heard in the garden in Genesis 3 verse 15, the seed of the woman, as soon as he heard about the seed of the woman, he began his attack on mankind. And it wasn't until later that it became more refined for Satan to understand. He just wanted to kill because he wanted to protect, and he wanted to kill and protect his own uh, future, if you will. But God told him, this seed of the woman's going to crush your head one day. You're going to be destroyed, but you're going to be eternally destroyed. You're going to be continually being destroyed in the lake of fire. And as soon as Satan understood that, the war against humanity began. And he went after David's descendants. And certainly Athaliah, inspired by Satan, usurps the throne, thinking, the devil in her, thinking that somehow I've interrupted David's, or God's promise to David. And God's going, oh, that's okay. Enjoy it for six years. Because I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I love that about God. When he says something, it's going to come to pass. And man cannot thwart the plan of God. No matter how evil. Remember God's promise. He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Shiloh, a, a, a euphemism for the Son of God, the Messiah. And then remember God's promise to David. And I've said this so much, but I, I can't escape this promise of David because there's so much hinging on this. Remember when God spoke to David, and he says, when you're, and this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. He says, when your days are fulfilled, David, and you rest with your fathers, when you finally die i will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and i will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever who was that person certainly in the in the, in the very near future it would be solomon who would build the house of the lord he would be but then he says something really interesting that i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever that means it's a continual thing and david's dynasty continued and do you think Satan understood that? Do you think that's why he inspired Athaliah to insert herself into the line to somehow ruin God's plan? Nah, it didn't work. <laughs> try as she might. Try as he might, whoever that is, even the Antichrist, yet coming in the future. He's going to try very hard. 
but he's going to fail miserably. He says, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of man. But notice, but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house, notice, verse 16, this is so important. And your house, David, and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Not, in t- not until you die at the 70 years of age. Not until, forever. That means that even when... Uh, you know, the end comes, it's going to be forever. Forever. Your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. He repeats it again to emphasize the fact, don't worry. And do you think Satan was there when God was speaking to David and giving him that promise through the prophet? Do you think that a demon was listening in and going, oh. So that's how it's going to be. Well, I'm going to go after David. And didn't he go after David? <laughs> he incited David to do these things. And David, at, at weak points, really made some really bad mistakes. But God would ultimately restore the kingdom of David's descendant. Even though Athaliah was on the throne now, Joash. God would replace Athaliah with Joash and then finally, or at least at that time, crush the plan, the plot of Satan again. Satan has plotted forever against mankind and specifically through Judah. Even tried to kill Jesus in the, in, the, in the 40 years or 40 days in the wilderness, remember, in his temptation. He just would not give up. And guess what? He's not going to give up. That's why he hates us. Satan hates us. But guess what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Never forget that, because you plus God is a majority. But you minus God, you are a sitting duck. You are a sitting duck if you don't have Christ in you. And if that scares you, that's good, because fear brought me to the kingdom. (laughs) It did. When somebody told me that, I'm like, oh, Lord, I I want to be yours. I'll do anything you want me to do, Lord. I don't want to be, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be that person. And so God is going to ultimately restore him as we saw tonight. But David's dynasty was never destroyed. It was interrupted for six years. But it will continue even when Jesus comes back at his second coming. There hasn't been a a Jewish king on the throne in Jerusalem for quite a long time after Jesus. But when he comes back, After the thousand year reign, he's going to set up his kingdom again on this earth, fulfilling all of those Old Testament prophets and the Davidic covenant that God had given to David. So let's go back to verse 4. Now it says, in the seventh year, Jehoiada, thank God for this faithful priest, in the seventh year, meaning the seventh year of this young boy, Joash, so now he's seven years of age, in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts, brought them into the house of the Lord, and he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Can you imagine how excited they were to see there was an heir indeed? <laughs> Athaliah didn't kill everybody. She had a lot of blood on her hands, but this guy, this young man was saved. And now, you, can you imagine seeing their eyes wide open and going, oh my goodness. And he has to take an oath from them. Do you see that this heir is the throne? He's the heir to the throne, guys. 
She does not belong on that throne, so let's take an oath right now. We're going to remove her, and we're going to put Joash back on the throne, the rightful heir to the throne of his father. And then, verse 5, he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. And he says, One third of you shall come on the duty of the Sabbath, keep, and you shall keep watching over the king's house. One third of you shall be at the gate of Sur. These are very specific places in Israel. And one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you shall go off duty on the Sabbath, shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be shot to death. Let him be put to death. Actually, they didn't, I don't know. They, they probably did it with swords. I'm, I was thinking of, an, of a bow and arrow, but I mean, they didn't have you know, handguns back then. Um, so each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath. So this was a concerted effort. And the priests gave the captains of hundreds the spears, the shields, which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. And then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, and all around the king from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar of the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on his head, and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. But notice they gave him a t- the testimony. As a new king, as a young boy, he was seven years old, and they anoint him, they put the crown on his head, and they give him a copy. They give him a Bible. (laughs) They give him the Old Testament, the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those were the things they had. And he would make his own copy of those things. It tells us in Deuteronomy 17 that that's what kings were supposed to do. When they came into their kingship, they were to take the, the scrolls from the scribes and they were to transcribe their own copy in their own writing. And they were to read it that they might not depart from the law of God. And Joash, this, this young boy who had a great regent, if you will, a great role model, this Jehoiada the priest. What a wonderful man he was. You know, think of this. He could, as a priest, he could have said, you know, I'm going to take Athaliah off the throne and I'm going to put myself on there. Everybody respected him, but what did he do? He knew God's plan. He knew God's order. And he's like, no, I got to remove her so we can put the rightful king on the throne so that we can return the king to the throne. And what an awesome man he is. I, I, I can't wait to meet this man. I want to shake his hand and say, thank you for being so faithful. He was truly the salt of the earth. One whom the world was not worthy. Do you remember that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 38? Speaking of the martyrs of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit tells us there that of whom the world was not worthy. Think of that. These people who ran around in sackcloth and ashes and they hid in dens of caves and people hunted them down for sport and they hated them and persecuted them and killed them. And the Lord says, the world was not worthy of these people. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? The world was not worthy of them. And I don't think the world was worthy of Jehoiada. 
And because Joash was so young, again, seven years old when he began to reign, Jehoiada was there as like a regent in a sense until Joash was old enough to make decisions for himself. And we see this in the scripture, and we're going to look at it in just a second, because Jehoiada was instrumental in doing what the young king could not do at that time because of his age, because of his lack of experience and understanding. And Jehoiada arranged to have him put on the throne. And he did other things. You might want to write these scriptures down. I'm just going to read them to you because here we had this wonderful man who was seeing the situation that this very young boy was in. And instead of usurping authority, he set him up. He he made sure that everything was in place. Sort of like David did for Solomon. You know, David, you can't build me a temple, but your son's going to do it. So David's like, well, if I can't build it myself, then I'm going to give him everything I can. I'm going to give him a leg up so that when he comes to the throne, he's able to assemble it and have all the workers, the blueprint, the materials, everything. And Jehoiada was of that same heart. He's like, all I can do is I can set him up. I can get him in the right place. And notice what it says. Just write these scriptures down and I'll read them to you. In Second Chronicles 23. In fact, I'd encourage you to read Second Chronicles 23, the chapter, and 24, because it'll shed some light on the things that we're looking at tonight, and we'll give you a little bit more information about what was going on. But notice what it says in Second Chronicles 23, beginning in verse 16. And notice the, the heart of Jehoiada. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king. Notice this. Between this young boy who didn't really know anything yet, and here's this man setting things right for him knowing that he's the rightful heir, setting things right for him, sort of like a, 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 a great uncle in a sense, you know, like an uncle would do to help his nephew. He was one of those people, that he should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the temple of Baal, and they tore it down, they broke it in pieces, and, and they went on. And Joash did, um, did well while Jehoiada was alive, because he no doubt respected Jehoiada. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 24, beginning in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. It almost, can you feel what's happening, what's coming? (laughs) Just by the very phrase, the way God, the Holy Spirit says this, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. He was doing well while his governor was alive. Can you feel it? Can you see it? Can you hear it in the language? And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he, had, and he had sons and daughters. And so Jehoiada was even instrumental in protecting the line of Judah by securing for him wives that would be good and proper for this young king as he got old and, and, and of age. And, um, and you can almost sense what's happening uh, as Jehoiada passes from the scene. And then, alas, it finally happens. Second Chronicles 24, beginning in verse 15. Let me read it to you. And this is where Jehoi, or Joash excuse me, started off so well, was indeed a reformer king. He tore down the temple of Baal and began to reform and get the people back to Jehovah God, which is the right thing to do. He, he got them back to worshiping God instead of idols. But once Jehoiada, this great man of God, this governor in his life, once that man was passed from the scene, The key turned minor. (laughs) From major to minor, and the lights go dim now from this bright young man who started off so well, unlike so many, ends not so well. Look at what it says in verse 15 of 2 Chronicles 24. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. 
He was 130 years old when he died, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel. No doubt, he was a fantastic man, a great character of a man. Man, would to God that every man in America had this kind of testimony. And I pray for that for myself. I pray that for my brothers here. And for the brothers who maybe will listen later, you know, let's be those kind of men. Let's no longer let our flesh dictate to us. Let's no longer let our culture just wear us down and cause us to fall into stupid sin. Horrible things that just cause men to lose their marriages and, and, and ruins them and even in their jobs and ruins them and their families and just gives them such a, a, a black mark on their life. Guys, it's time. You know, let's be like this man who wasn't even a king, but he was buried in the city of David, in Zion, among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came, and they bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them, and therefore, notice this, therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespasses. So now these, after Jehoiada has passed from the scene, now the governor is gone, and now people start to creep in all around Joash and go, hey, remember when we used to, remember when we used to go up on the hill? We used to have the fires and eat the, the really awful things and do those filthy things with our idols? Our fathers did that. Let's do that again. So we, they entice him, and he's, there's no more governor in his life now. Now the, the true test of his character, the true test of his kingship finally comes to fruition. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Joash? And that's a question that happens to every male, every woman, every male in this room. There's a defining line at some point in your life, and the devil will throw you a bone and say, oh, but you, you know you want this. It's irresistible. You've always been thinking about it, and now the opportunity presents itself. What are you going to do? It'll never happen again. Of course, it always does. <laughs> Sin has a way of finding us out. But notice, yet he sent prophets to them, God in his grace, knowing that this weakness in Joash, verse 19, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen to them. And then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Notice, this is the son of Jehoiada the priest. This is the, 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 the governor, you know, the governor of Joash. He, he had a son named Zechariah, and Zechariah stood up and he said, Thus says uh, God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you've forsaken the Lord, for he, and he, will, he has also forsaken you. So finally, somebody has the guts to stand up in the midst of this idolatry and say, You know what? You guys are going the wrong way. Turn and repent. And unfortunately, this is the kind of thing that happens. You know, a young king has a governor like Jehoiada. But as he gets older, the governor dies. And then he is, we really find out what he's made of. It's as if his true character was eclipsed by the governor until the governor was taken out of the way. Again, this young man, Joash, started so well. He was a reformer, but after his mentor died, he took to sin like water, like a fish to water.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.